Welcome to the Pizza and P.E. Podcast, the Triple P, where a group of friends get together each week to eat pizza and discuss P.E. We are very excited to have a P.E. in health rock star with us, Mr. Jamie Sparks. Jamie is the Kentucky Shape Executive Director, the National School Health Program Manager for ETR, former Shape America president, and co-creator of Health Moves Minds, and he is going to talk to us today about redefining our community. It's awesome. The real question is, I wonder how much he contributes to the pizza fact that we have for this week. Now, the pizza fact is that Americans eat approximately 100 acres of pizza each day, or about 350 slices per second. Wait, 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 wait. 350 slices per second? I'm confused. That's what it equates to. I mean, that's how many Americans eat approximately 100 acres of pizza each day or 350 slices per second. Okay, my mind was going per person, but it's collectively because that had been really hard to do. Okay. A lot of cheese. Well, you guys, I'm really excited that Jamie has decided to be on episode five of our Pizza MPE podcast. We have known Jamie for five, six years. And when I met him in St. Louis at the National Shape America Conference, I immediately noticed that he had a niche for advocacy and policy and understanding of federal funding, state funding. And so he has really taught us a lot, even with our role that we currently serve in our urban school district. So let's bring him on, Mr. Jamie Sparks. Hey. What's up, everybody? Good to see everyone. Hey, Jamie, how you doing? I'm pretty excited to be here. So he's even supporting the uh, Idlewild shirt of our First guest on Pizza and PE podcast, our rock star principal, Lorinda Deneen, because you've been to the school at Idlewild. So you've seen firsthand all the great efforts that she has put in place for physical activity and movement into her school culture. Amazing. Uh, and she was also your first guest. So um, recognizing uh, that important historical moment as well. But yeah, uh, congratulations and kudos to uh, everybody in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools that have been a part of. Um, of their success and Lorinda's an awesome champion. So So, uh, describe your pizza. Well, you know, um, I I did call you out on one of my pedal pep talks that uh, I've not seen you guys having corn on your broadcast. And so if you're a school teacher and you're talking pizza, you got to have the side of corn. So I did, I did have a a side of corn as well. (laughs) There there used to be a a fruit with it too, though, because you have have a food group. You know, I, I, the, the corn's like the nostalgic thing for me. So I, I actually don't eat corn with my pizza other than when I'm laughing about it. But uh, I did cut my pizza out in a rectangle just to make it more like school pizza, too. And uh, controversial topic, but that is broccoli on my pizza. So uh, chicken broccoli with some Carolina barbecue sauce on top in honor of you all as well. I'm not sure if I had that for school pizzas. Mine was- no, that was my own variation. I don't think it was real bad. That it was the fruit cocktail that used to come on the side with the little fake cherries and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Let's get to our first question. The theme of this Pizza and Pea podcast is redefining our community. Jamie, when you were 2019 Shape America president, you came out with your message, your theme of ROC, R-O-C, redefining our community. What inspired you to develop that message? You know, it was, it was actually kind of cool, kind of multifaceted, honestly. For a number of years, we'd been working with ESSA, and the analogy, the demonstration I'd always give at Speak Out Day and other places when talking about the significance of going from No Child Left Behind to the Every Student Succeeds Act and the opportunities for health and PE to be more prioritized because of the federal funding structure, um, I'd always make people stand up and pretend to push a rock. And that's what changing education felt like because we have all this research that says healthy kids learn better. But the reality is at the end of the day, we don't have a lot of idle wilds out there. Why is that just not the norm? So that that rock was kind of a metaphor um, for, for what what it felt like with trying to elevate health and pee within schools. But it was also that opportunity to kind of brand it and to message it around the whole school, whole community, whole child, and really say, here's our moment in time for health and PE to really embrace change 
and the critical role of health and PE. And then, of course, COVID came along and redefined our communities in ways that we never imagined. And so, you know, we've learned a lot um, through that process as well. And, uh, you know, it was this time last year that that COVID was just on the scene just a little bit. You know, we uh, a few I know we're going to talk about speak out day later, uh, but we were preparing for the in-person speak out day last year. And that's we, we were literally the last people off the hill. And then we came out of that, and that's when we started, like, canceling convention and in-person meetings. Um, so we re redefined our community. So I told Brett Fuller when he took over this year, be careful what your theme is because it may come to fruition in ways you never imagined. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for your presidency. Your message still lives on in a lot of our efforts and your your. You're, you, you've been, you served that position really well, Jamie. And I know that you're also the executive director of Kentucky Shape, but you're one of those trailblazers that I think that really pushes that rock to ensure that all students receive quality health PE and physical activity. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It was an honor to serve and continue to, to touch the community in a lot of different ways. And I just very, feel very fortunate. And, uh, you know, the national convention is always a special time. And as you said, mentioned St. Louis, but, uh, Always uh, don't get to see everybody every year at National Convention, but I always take time to hang out with Keith and Andrew and Kim at National Convention and appreciate all that you all are doing. And excited that you are doing uh, – oh, well, I do have another shirt on. I guess it's time to break that out because I'm so proud of you all for, for starting the, the Pizza P podcast. But there's my, there's my Zag Pro shirt too. So uh, you guys are doing some cool Zag. <laughs> wow, look at him. Wow. Jeez a huge micro-influencer. Check him out. <laughs> I only strive to be as cool as you, Jamie. One day, you know. It's all, hey, it's all about the props. You got to have the props. See all, all the props come into the conversation? The only thing I ever have on my shirt is Kim. <laughs> I don't have one of those. I need one of those. I'm requesting one of those. We, we, we you got it. it. You will definitely have one soon. So, you know, one of the, the, the things that you know, was was during your presidency that that, that kind of that stunk. To be honest with you, is usually you guys get a nice little outgoing, give an outgoing message. And Salt Lake City, I was prepared to like absolutely. I was going out there to explore. I mean, I hate that we didn't get that chance at a at a really cool place. Yeah. But you know, um, during your presidency, one of the things that. Uh, you helped create and uh, I know some people know about it, but I think you know there is still a big group of people that don't know about it is um, you helped create the health moves minds program and you know so and I know there's a, a lot of great health lessons with it but but again, I think what's happened is there are still people that don't know what it is. So if you could take a minute and just kind of give our listeners an, a, an update of what is Health Moves Minds and how could they access the lessons and, and, and get involved? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will correct something from the beginning. I, I would love to be given credit to being co-creator of uh, Health Moves Minds, but there's a whole lot more brilliant minds at Shape America and throughout our community that uh, actually created the program. I just happened to be um, sitting in the captain's chair when, when all came about as president-elect and then president. So when I was elected in Nashville, um, as president-elect, one of the initial conversations that we started immediately was our long-standing partnership with the American Heart Association. We've been in that partnership for 39 years with Jump Rope for Heart. Um, and as a state executive director, uh, it was an important time to have an executive director on the executive committee for Shape America because uh, my state association, as other state associations, live, breathe, and die those uh, joint partnerships, those joint projects. And so with, with Heart Association, the problem became for so long with No Child Left Behind and other areas, our schools and our teachers weren't getting the funding they needed. And we continue to be minimized and marginalized. And so when it came to fundraising, the American Heart Association is a wonderful organization and is a great national nonprofit that does a lot in communities and across states, and they're strong advocates for health and PE, and they have relationship managers in every state that work on state policy. But when it came to the school programming piece, we need to fundamentally change. And that was the part I got to help influence. And my simple belief with the fundraising component was, if we're gonna ask teachers 
to do the most work, they should be the ones to get the most back. And that should be true of any fundraiser program. And so that's what I'm most proud of with, with Health Moves Minds is with our part, national partnership with Gopher and their product line that schools can get up to 60% back while also supporting the state association and the national association. There is no other program out there that can say that. We'll give the school the most back while also supporting the state and national association. So that's one aspect of Health Moves Minds. The other part that I think is critically important that became even more important, we were ahead of our time because now the SEL component, the social emotional learning taught through traditional PE activities, you know, the parachute and teaching things that we do in PE anyway, but it naturally integrates a deeper dive into SEL. And you know, as you all know, SEL is such a huge thing in schools now and even more so as we talk about trauma-informed. So it really is the right place at the right time. So it, it, while, while COVID has made implementing the program challenging because we're not in person and we've had to do virtual and you have the whole economy issue, it really is a free curriculum, no strings attached for any school in this country. And I'm just really excited about what the future holds as more and more people get their hands on it and experience it in different ways. So what's great about this, and, and you said it, and you've hit a lot of really good points in here, right? Is one that it's free, you know, because as a elementary PE teacher, I mean, I think what, what happens, and it happens often, especially where we are, is we're funded for PE when the school opens up and then we're never funded again. We're never given, or, or we're given very little. And we have to do things like Jump Rope for Heart to earn a gift certificate to even try and get some things. But how much you earn versus how much you get back, I mean, and granted, it's, it's a great thing. You're still doing it for a great cause. But as a PE teacher, had this come around where I can get half of the fundraising back, because we're often put up against things in the school and, you know, I, I, I had the chance to teach in, a, in an affluent school. I mean, I hated always asking our parents for money. It was like, it, it, it's somewhere it's got to stop. But at the same point, knowing that I was going to get more back from my program, then I don't have to ask them for program needs because I can do it another way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's one of the biggest ends is like, because schools get so much back now, they can be very specific in what their kids are going to see and do. You know, our number one school last year, she, she doubled up what she thought was going to happen because they were wanting to build a climbing wall. And so the kids really got behind that because that's something they never would have been able to afford or access. And then she literally, she was a 10 year teacher. And she said, in 10 years of teaching, I got more PD funds and more program dollars than I've had in my entire career combined this year through this program. So it was kind of a no brainer. And uh, it's some great, great stories out there about the program and about the impact on the curriculum yeah. and the critical conversations that, that are happening with kids. So I believe so. I, you know, one of the things I got to do is I got to travel around and, and during my, my years as president elect and president and see this thing launch. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing that I always saw in it is how it elevated the health and PE teacher. It elevated their standing to the administrator. It elevated their standing within their state association. It just lives, breathes leadership uh, for the teacher. And that's 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 kind of what led me to the tattoo. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the only person in America that has a two health moves minds tattoo with a third one coming. So we did some fun challenges and that's how much I believe in the program is, you know, I, I joke with my daughter, my daughter's um, just turned 13. No, I'm sorry, my daughter's 15. But when, when this started, she was 13. And then a year ago, I got the first tattoo in Missouri. And they won the first challenge. And my, my daughter, I don't have any tattoos. It's my first tattoo I've ever had. And I came home with it. And my daughter was like, what's wrong with you, dad? Like, that's so weird. You got the same, like, I just did the symbol. And I was like, Hannah, one day, you're going to be sitting at the dinner table because we were sitting at the dinner table. And your, your kids are going to bring a packet home that has health moves minds on it. And you're going to see your dad's tattoo and go, wait a minute. I remember way back when. So I hope one day that comes to fruition. But uh, it was fun. And uh, we're going to do the third tattoo uh, this July in Kentucky. So, Well, Jamie, I know you're coming in a few weeks to present to our teachers, you know, on health moves well, minds. Virtually. <laughs> yeah, however, virtually. And we hope that, you know, we can get, you know, enough teachers to sign up where maybe you can get a tattoo from our state, right? Maybe we can switch up and maybe we can turn it into the face of PE and maybe you can get Kim on your calf or something. That, there you go. 
Yeah, I, yeah that, one of those T-shirts that you have, I'd be glad to throw that on the tattoo. We'll be willing to, to really play that up if, if this we can make this happen. So Okay, next question. <laughs> Not me, all about Jamie. So, all right, so since, since COVID has started, you have really put yourself out there on, on social media, you know, like you always have, but live streaming your pedal PE talks. So what led you to start those? And then also, you know, your messaging, how often do you put those out? And, and what's the what's the whole premise behind your pedal talks? Yeah, I'm actually uh, setting on the bike now. So I was trying not to pedal too much so I don't get out of breath. Since this is a, this, uh, normally I do pedal pep talks at the beginning of my bike ride when I'm fresh. So uh, I will start to pedal a little slower, though. Uh, it was actually just very organic, you know. Um, I've always been a believer in the power of social media um, and that uh, what social media is good for is building awareness and it helps to positively brand the profession. And there's so many people out there that that maybe not have had a quality experience and things like that. And so the pedal pep talks, you know, COVID happened. We're in quarantine. Everything shut down. Nobody knows what to do. We're trying to navigate the world. And I, 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 there wasn't really a lot of thought or strategy. Now, you guys obviously have come up with some great strategy and design and doing some cool stuff. But pedal pep talks were very organic. In fact, they were so organic, I just jumped on the bike. Mark, now I will say Mark Fulmer from Illinois would do the, the treadmill talks. So that was sort of the inspiration. And it was just sort of a way to process what was going on in the world, to talk about positive things that were happening. And so it just kind of happened. And then I was actually Dan Tennyson from, from Indiana. He's the Midwest teacher of the year. And he saw one of, I was just doing a live on Facebook and, and Twitter. And he, he's the one that coined it. I think the first time I did one, he's like pedal pep talk and hashtag pedal pep talk was born. So uh, it was just kind of a fun way to be positive and send encouragement out there. And that was sort of my way of counting down to what would have been the Salt Lake City Convention. And then I've continued them from different times throughout the year, but they've definitely not been as scheduled or as often and things like that. So um, I don't know what the future holds. So maybe, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board now that I've been through Zach Pro Academy and come up with some strategy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Jamie, let's talk about the big elephant in our profession. You said that social media is great for awareness. It's great for collaboration. It's great for building a community, sharing resources, lessons. I think our profession, more than any other subject area, has come together and united and has shared you know, resources across the globe for teachers to be able to use and pick up tomorrow, even during this pandemic. I, I give so much credit to our, our profession for coming together. However, the big elephant in our profession, and it's pretty sensitive through some of our social media channels and group pages is about the talk of bad PE. And I've listened to one of your keynotes and you, right from the beginning, you have a big image of a white elephant on the screen and you're like, I'm gonna talk about it. Let's talk about that article that came out in January of 2019, late January. And the title of that article from the Atlantic was now, listeners, don't beat me up on this. This is the title of the article. Gym class is so bad, kids are skipping school to avoid it. It states in the article, and I'm just going to sum, sum it up, PE program was counterproductive. Students were more likely to be bullied in middle school than any other point in their academic careers, and PE presents a particular ripe opportunity for abuse. In this program that they were highlighting in this article, it was a program called Fitness Now. It was a grant that was giving to some of these schools that got $10,000 to implement this fitness program. And you know, all the research says movement, healthier children have an academic advantage over, you know, uh, un, you know, kids that don't that aren't physically active but it said that this program resulted in 16% increase in the number of disciplinary actions for each student misbehaving students went up by more than 7% so right away our profession was this article's terrible we we got to write the editor we got to say but wait a minute in our profession there is some bad pe <laughs> can you talk about that a little bit about you know um because I always say about 
you're not my colleague if you're if you're if you're abusing kids through exercise and punishing them and you know rolling out the ball you're not my pe colleague mm -hmm. so can you elaborate more on that yeah I, i've been doing different iterations of that keynote for a number of years and it's sort of my attention getter at the beginning and i kind of start with a i kind of frame up a traditional scene of and I actually use dodgeball or you kind of tell noise is going on. There's unstructured and just being a bad role model. And I kind of play that out in a little short script. Mm -hmm. And that's where I bring in the elephant in the room of saying in my role, oftentimes in advocating to superintendents and local board members and even on the national level, oftentimes as a PE person, I have to start with, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this because because right there's a big disconnect we got to recognize when we're saying kids need more PE, kids need more health education, they need more. But if we're talking to a decision maker that had a coach coach that rolled out the ball, that's a huge disconnect we got to start with right there. Of why would they need more of that? Anybody can do that job, right? And so that's that's I have to say sorry a lot. And so just addressing that, acknowledging that is an important first step as we move forward in our conversations for being the best advocate we can. That, that's, I had the opposite approach to, to the author. You're right, a lot of people got really upset and were like tweeting about it and like complaining and sending her you know, complaints via email and, you know, and just they were really upset. But what I said was thank you. Thank you for shining a light in an area that, that we need to be held accountable for and we need to have um, collective ownership of, of bad practices and we still see that debate raging on you know um, you see that every so often in PE Central it's obviously one of the largest groups of PE professionals out there but the real the reality is and, and that's what I really came to understand Kim that I think is the most important part whether it's the dodgeball debate or whether it's you know some of the things we do in health education what what the reality is is there's still a lot of ineffective and inappropriate practices that, that do not contribute to physical literacy or health literacy. And so why is that? And so I had been at, I had been at ETR, I've been at ETR two years. So that article came out after I'd been there for a year. Mm -hmm. We have a health equity framework that helps to frame health equity. And so of course, when I got the job, I learned about it and did different things, but that's when it became real to me because the framework really like addresses systems of power it addresses networks and communication and collaboration. It also in, it talks about like personal side of that, right? How we feel as a result of, of inequities. And so when it comes to health and PE, the simple part of the health equity framework, it points that a lot of teachers, their entire career has been on an island. They haven't had content specific professional development. Mm -hmm. I've talked to countless numbers of teachers that their school dictates what PD they go to. And they've never, so, the, so even though you've had 20 years of experience, you may never have had content specific PD for best practices. So there's a lot of systemic reasons. So I think that's the thing we've got to learn to do a little bit is take a step back when we see people advocating for things that the four of us know have long been proven not good for our profession and step back and say, well, what's contributed to that and how is Right. And, and we were talking about that before we came on. Sometimes administrators are just like, well, as long as you don't send me discipline referrals, I don't care what goes on in the PE class. Right. right. And that's an unfortunate systemic part of the process that allows people to just continue to be the way they are. And but the cool thing is, is there are so many people out there that are growth mindseted. We're engaged. We're helped pushing the profession forward. And I think there's a lot of opportunity ahead of us as a result of COVID and future things as well. But We've got to own these conversations and calling that elephant out is, is a part of it. Love it. You know, it's yeah, funny, it's funny. Something, something that I can build up there, there is, is, is true. true. All the years that I taught elementary, elementary school, I went to one convention and that was because I had an administrator who was an XPE teacher and understood that, yes, you don't need to be going to all the literacy stuff with everybody else and all that stuff. So, I mean, that brings in the health moves minds, you know, Hey, I could, use that funding to actually attend something that is outside the district for that. And, and then, you know, you get another administrator that comes in and they do that whole checklist with you. And it's like, but did you really understood, understand what you saw in my gym right now? What you saw 
might have been chaotic, but it was controlled chaotic chaos with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Line, standards, yeah. objective, intention, yeah. well thought out, strategic. Um, I think you bring up a really good point, Jamie, too, about I love how you right away say, I'm sorry. You kind of ask the person who you're advocating to, let's say, you know, somebody in speak out day up on Capitol Hill, but you kind of want to know what was their PE like? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times our district leaders, our principals, a lot of times our elementary classroom teachers had such a bad experience in PE that that's where their frame, their, their mindset is. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that you say, you know, right away, like, I'm sorry, but I love that you have a, a solution. Let's yeah. get content PD, PD, let's train appropriately. And even the three of us, Keith, Andrew, and myself in our large school district, it seems like every year it varies on how much content specific PD we're allowed to give. Like one year we had two full days and now another year we didn't even get an hour during our back to school training. So it's really a constant advocacy and push that we're constantly doing year by year as well. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you. That's also one of the beauties of social media right now. They do allow you to do some training because you're getting to see the best of the best. In most cases, putting stuff out and learning from each other and going to sites like CBHPE. There's so many opportunities for teachers out there now to really, you know, bump their, bump their, their training and, and bump up their attitudes towards what is effective PE because there yeah. are tremendous models for them to look at. So that's one benefit of social media right now that I didn't have when I first started or, or any of us have when we first started, but now there's a great way to, to really get yourself out there and see what's taking place. Yeah. When I left the classroom in 2010, that was my last year of teaching when I went to the department of ed. And, and I've said that within a few years of being at DOE and getting involved in networks and state associations and, and, and social media in itself is like when I left the classroom, I could legitimately say I wasn't supported. I didn't have a place to grow. If you're a teacher out there today and you're, you can't use that excuse. If you're not growing as a professional, you need to look in the mirror because it's out there. There's networks and there's social media and there's learning groups. Now there's good and bad, but at the same time, if, if you want to grow as a professional and get connected with others and see, witness, and share what you're doing, that is out there. And that's one of the things I think that has come to the table. So you're absolutely right, Andrew. I agree with that. I mean, Jamie, just look at, you know, in, in this little podcast that we've started, I mean, you're our fifth guest. We've had a principal. We've had a classroom teacher. We've had somebody who's talked about recess. We've talked about social media and how to, and now we have an advocacy person here and you know with as much as you're out there with stuff that you put on social media and yes you do say i'm sorry but you know you have a strong stance on things like dodgeball and using um exercise as a punishment but you're always going to run into and this goes back to even what we said a minute ago with some people who are not good pe teachers but they're going to come at you they're going to throw these negative com comments at you and how do you how do you disengage for that or how do you engage it if you do engage it? Yeah, you know, I, I think the key part of that is understanding the purpose and value of, of social media. So let's let's start with what I said earlier is it's a great tool for awareness. It's not a great tool for implementation. It's not a great tool for deep dive, right? You build awareness and then that connection's got to go on beyond that. And so the reality is, is the great thing about social media, everybody has a voice. The bad thing about social media, everybody has a voice. <laughs> and so that, and, and we also see that the last few years play out politically and how divided this country is and how quick people are. And this is not just within the profession, but you know, even more so. And I know Guy talked about this and how to engage appropriately, but it, you know, you gotta understand that I think there's a couple of, of key things that we as people, as human beings, have to understand. The easiest thing you can do in the world is to be critical of anybody else. Criticism is the easiest thing in the world to give. And that's one of the, my leadership things I always say. I don't care if you have criticism. I want to hear your criticism. But you better come with a solution. Don't just tell me how we did it wrong at Kentucky Shape or Shape America. Come with the facts and come with solutions. And then... That's a rich dialogue. So oftentimes, you know, if somebody 
you know, and they're few and far in between, but when those issues have arised on social media, uh, especially like dealing with, you know, we elect board members at the state level. You, you entrust those people to have all the information. Same thing happens at the national level. We have all the information and the decisions that are made where most people out there don't have all the information. And so that's a starting point is recognizing that you entrust people that you've, you've put there for a reason. And so, you know, for people that want to engage beyond that or have, you, you're not going to fix it in a tweet. So that's the reason usually if I see that in the few times it's come up, here's my email, here's my cell number, call me. Let's have a conversation because we're not going to fix this 140 characters because that's not what social media is intended for. Um, so, you know, staying in the lane and just, uh, you know, addressing that head on, I think is really, really important. And that's just something that's, that's what leadership's about, right? Is engaging in the right conversation and enrich dialogue. And, uh, and, you know, unfortunately when the, I can tell you that the times I've offered my cell number and my email, I've never once had somebody take me up on it. So um, they, they may have stopped their tweet or blocked me or something else, but they've never actually reached out to me with solutions. So That was that good. My follow-up there was how many people have actually, you know, have actually, they don't want to. You know, people, like Kim said earlier, you have the keyboard warriors, you know. Yeah. yeah. You want to ruffle your feathers to see what you got. And then, oh, well, oh, you mean you want to have a conversation? No, I can't. <laughs> So, so, Jamie, so if I were, you know, from a teacher's perspective or someone who's just advocating for their district or for their state or for their or for an association, you know, when you're trying to get your message out, does that require a whole different skill set or can we go about it the same way across the board? You know, I, I don't think it requires a different skill set. I think, and I think that, again, I think that's one of the positives of COVID. I think it's forced a lot of people onto this side of the equation, right? Because we're, we all had to start teaching in front of a camera and, and whether you use, you know, and, and social media became more accepted and learning and things like that. But I think the key part of it is, you know, just, again, that growth mindset and wanting to be engaged. And, and so when it comes to, I'll tell you, I was late to the game on every social media platform. I was late. People like look at my life now and say, you know, whatever. But I, you can actually look this up. I've seen a thing where you can look up your first tweet. But you had to go way back, maybe four years ago, five years ago. It wasn't that many years ago. It was long after Twitter had launched. My first tweet, I was actually making fun of Twitter because I thought it was fundamentally flawed because uh, we, we were calling it tweets, but it was called Twitter, right? So, uh, you know, and so that was my first social media. And, and so what changed for me, you know, back to your question on skills, is I, I wasn't engaged. And so, but I've always been very passionate about the purpose of health and PE. And so I was doing a training at Department of Ed. It was actually, I was, funny enough, I was actually talking uh, to, to JC Woolley this morning. And she was an Alliance for a Healthier Generation person in our state. And I did a I did a, a session on one of the one of our districts, and I got done. And she said that was great. You know, you're very passionate. You know your stuff. You love health and PE. How many people heard what you just said? And while I looked around the room, and I said twenty people, twenty five people. And she looked at me. She said, "But how many people could have heard what you said?" And that was when it clicked for me. It was that moment, that defining moment of, oh, this is a platform where we can broaden our voice and broaden our reach and we can we can show people what quality looks like so when it comes to skills i think you just gotta i think most people will say you learn as you go you got to be vulnerable put yourself out there and for those of us that are intrinsically motivated that believe in the profession we we it, it, as you guys joke about this in your podcast right you, you learn as you go and you, you you get better at it each time and that, and that's what makes teaching awesome as, as educators that's that's the skill set is we got to practice what we preach. And that's, that's what the education process is all about is learning. And what do we learn most from when, when we fail at what we do, right? That's, that's, that's the biggest learning moments and social media is no different than that. Mm -hmm. So speaking, speaking of, of um, learning, um, um, you have attended numerous speak out days and I think how many has there been 14, 15, so many, I'm not even sure how many speak out days, national speak out days. Do you know? I just ask Carl. It's not quite that many, but getting close to it. I think it's 12 or 13. 12 or 13. Because uh, there's a couple of people that have been to um, everyone. So, 
So yeah, there, there's only uh, two people I think that's been to, to every Speak Out Day. Okay, so I'm pretty aware of Speak Out Day, but I don't know all the details that are involved in Speak Out Day. I know it's the day that you go and advocate for ESSA funding to ensure that funding, federal funding is in place. But can you talk a little bit more about, and especially this year that's virtual because this is gonna be the first virtual Speak Out week day, March 15th through the 19th. Talk about what is Speak Out Day and is it truly effective? Yeah, so I'll start uh, by uh, putting my, let's see if I can do this without falling off the bicycle, <laughs> um, put my uh, shoe up on the screen because one of the things with Speak Out Day, that is my custom Nike that was made for last year's uh, Speak Out Day. So uh, I'll give you, wasn't the best view of my, my Speak Out Day shoe. So uh, that this actually is one of the greatest funniest, coolest stories. Uh, Chris Watts is, uh, was president of Colorado Shape about four or five years ago. And he went to DC and like most of us, when the first time you go to Capitol Hill and you're meeting with representatives and congressional aides and people in offices, uh, it's a lot to take in. It's exciting, but it's also intimidating because we're, we're out of our comfort zone. And so we go and we advocate for funding and things like that. And, and I'll talk more about that. But Chris, forgot his dress shoes and he got to DC and he brought everything else with him and uh, he's a teacher salary. So he wasn't going to go out and buy a new pair of dress shoes and didn't really have an opportunity to. So he was stuck with wearing his, his bright PE shoes that he had for class. And so when he got to the Hill, you know, he's decked out dressed up and tie and everybody's like, Hey, I love your shoes. Hey, I love your shoes. And so Colorado shape was like, well, wait a minute. Maybe he's on to something. So the next year, uh, Colorado, everybody from Colorado did that. They all wore their brightest neon shoes that they could find. And that bore the tradition where every year since. Um, and it's really cool because when we go to the Hill now, last year, I think I'm going up on six or seven straight speak out days that I've been to. People that work as the Capitol Police, the people in the offices, when we walk in with our neon shoes on, they're like, oh, you're the PE people. You're the, you're the health people. So it's, it really has branded that message with the congressional people. And, and that's what we want, right? That's, that's, like, that's kind of it just happened. And um, that's, that's led us to a lot of success. Uh, you know, for instance, the biggest win we have around Speak Out Day is around the reauthorization of No Child Left Behind a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Under No Child Left Behind, the federal government would only fund core subjects which means that health and P were always left out of the equation. Local districts didn't have local control to give money to health and P even if they wanted to, because we weren't in the federal definition. So we advocated and continue to show up on the Hill. That didn't just happen magically. That happened because in a year we'd have anywhere from 40 to 50 states represented and up to 250 people would be on the Hill um, annually. And that's just one part of the bigger advocacy picture. But those face-to-face -face meetings uh, were always critically important. And that's how we got to be labeled a well-rounded subject. So any think about this. Any school district in America now can allow federal dollars, Title I, Title II, Title IV, to be used for health and PE. Now, there's a bigger systems problem with what we measure and where the money goes, but we at least have access to those dollars, and that's what we're still advocating for now is to continue to improve the system. Now we're at the table, but now we got to make sure that more of those dollars are being utilized for our programs. And so virtual speak out day this year uh, will happen March 15th through the 19th. Um, I encourage you to reach out to, we just did a training webinar the other day, reach out to your state association to learn more. Uh, we have, we have a great, um, it's a little different this year, obviously, because we're scheduling zoom calls and virtual meetings uh, rather than being on the Hill. And um, it was, it was, you know, the other thing I'll say about speak out day, just on the personal side, we were, it was, um, last year, I got the opportunity to bring our state superintendent of the year, Brian Creesman, with uh, with our Kentucky delegation. So we brought five people to speak out day last year, and our state superintendent of the year was, was one of those people. And he started an initiative as a state superintendent called Hashtag Fit Suits, S-U-P-T-S. Mm -hmm. So he still posts and encourages superintendents to own this conversation more. And, and that's so critically important because uh, the four of us can sit here and preach and talk about this all we want. But when we got superintendents and administrators like Lorinda that are being that vocal voice for why this is important, it's so critical. 
And so last year at Speak Out Day, we got to the Hill. I think there was probably maybe five to ten people that we were – that's where we were at COVID, right? It had just started. We knew it was out there. It was early. It was like March 10th through the 12th or something last year mm-hmm. or 10th and 11th. And when we got to Speak Out Day, a few people couldn't come because they were starting to see the initial travel restrictions. But we went ahead with the event, and the only thing we knew – is don't shake hands. That's the only thing we knew at that point. We just knew not to shake hands. So when you walked into all the offices, you're just saying hello. And we weren't even social distancing. We just knew not to shake hands. But it was fascinating to watch it play out from Brian's perspective because he and I flew in and out on the same flight. And from a superintendent's perspective, just to see COVID happen. Because when we left, he didn't think we'd ever close schools because schools were so important, so critical but we had never confronted a global pandemic before and we didn't know what was lying ahead. And sure enough, by the time we landed back in Kentucky, uh, we had already made the decision to start closing schools that Friday. I think some schools went in closed and some said, let's have one more day and then we'll figure out what's going to happen. Um, so it was a, it was a very historic speak out day last year. And so really excited about the virtual one this year. And I think more people will get involved as a result of having access to those meetings. I know that, I know we're that we're to our associates in North Carolina State. Um, and for those who are listening, the success of being a well-rounded um, course, health and PE, for those who don't know, that was huge. Because as a district coordinator of a large urban school district, I was constantly being told, no, we don't have the local funding. We don't have the local funding for health and PE teachers to go to professional development. We don't have the local funding for this. But now that Title II, which is professional development, now that health and PE is a well-rounded course, that now we get the PD funding, the Title I funding. So you did mention that, and I just want to highlight that to all our listeners and viewers, how important that was to be able to be allowed to access that funding pots of money. I always call it buckets of money. It's all about where are the buckets of money and how does that money basically is allowed to get spent. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. So now we're allowed to put up proposals and we're allowed to say, hey, give us some of that money. So that was huge. So thank you for advocating for that. Yeah, it's it's good, you know, and and while we've made progress and I'll always focus on the progress we've made, we still have a lot more. We, we have a lot of silent voices, people that aren't engaged in the process. The Shape America tools make it so simple to send emails, to send letters, to tell your story. I remember the first time we were in Representative Andy Barr's office, Daniel Hill, our president at the time, looked at him and said, I get $300 a year in PE budget. And that's all I get. The guy, he, his jaw dropped. He, he right. didn't understand that. So it's easy for us to sit back and say, oh, politicians don't care. Oh, they just don't not going to listen. But if we don't at least attempt to be engaged in the process, how are they going to fix something they don't know is wrong? And that's that's how easy we make it with the email. So even if you're not able to join a virtual meeting, send an email. That's the easiest thing we can do. And we've got to continue to do a better job of, of being all being a part of that. Because think about that. Think, think about, Kim, you be an elected official right now. I show up in your office tomorrow and I make my pitch to you. Well, if this is the first time you've heard about my pitch that I want you to do as as my local elected official. But think about if you just read 10, 15, 20, 30 emails the day before I step in your office. That's right. Now I'm on the radar. Now I have some validity because like, hey, my constituents are pretty passionate about this. And if we would learn to use our voice better, not just through the single day of event, but, but constantly giving of our time and talents through messaging, uh, we it'd go a lot further. I agree. So, Jamie, uh, speaking of funding, you know, and, and, and there are there's always going to be some PE teachers that kind of are in the back burner of, of knowing some of the funding pots that we can have possible access to, like the ESSA funds, for instance. Right. But I guess uh, there's a disconnect between um, people in our community and even from the school level and the admin level as to how do we find out, you know, how much. ESSA funding is in our district, and then how do we, so if I'm a PE teacher, I I found out that our district gets X amount of money, then how do I find out how I can have access to it? Yeah. Uh, Again, Shape America has some great resources underneath their advocacy section, Uh, and you can find out the money for ESSA. 
uh, through that through shapeamerica.org. I, I don't want to say backslash advocacy, but it's, you can search Shape America Advocacy and come up with the links and the tools for ESSA. And there's a little form you can fill out. Uh, we've done a, a, dish, a number of additional uh, tools and blogs that we've done through ETR for, e, for ESSA. Um, so we have some tools and resources that uh, anybody can reach out to me and I'll be glad to help navigate any of your listeners through that process, uh, including the ESSER funding. So that's an, an additional part to the ESSA. That's the part of the COVID relief funding. Uh, there's a lot of non-discretionary spending. Uh, Carly Wright, who's the advocacy manager for SHAPE, one of my favorite things, and I think this resonates very well, when it comes to these funding sources, it's not the prom, don't wait to be asked. That's the most critical message is that that you, there, there's not somebody that's going to show up at your door very often and say, here's, here's this funding source. You've got to be proactive in engaging your federal program coordinator, your curriculum coordinator, and, and talking about your needs and talking about how to access that. And so that, that is a skill you've got to learn, but it's an important. And I think every success story we have out there, it comes from that person that connects that conversation. Um, and I don't know if Kim's shared with me stories. It, it, you know, I know you all worked with the Urban Wellness Coalition. I think that's a very familiar theme that came through a lot of the HB coordinators is knowing who that person is. That's Relationships right. matter. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys, this is the time of the show that we do quick bites. So let me get ready. And Keith and Andrew, do you want to kind of give... Uh, before I start the little quick bite video, do you want to explain to Jamie what this is about? I'm going to explain it after you throw up the uh, advertisement for it. All right, get ready. <laughs> quick bites. No, Jamie, I do feel bad because I haven't seen you have a, a bite of your pizza since we started. Because the fun <laughs> is we ask a question and then we get to sit back and chow away while you're. <laughs> corn too. You can't forget about the corn. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you need to take a bite while we explain this, go for it. Um, but this is just going to be a couple questions from Andrew and I. First thing that pops to your head, we could always circle back around and talk about something. Let's try and. See how quick we can stump you on some stuff. Kim has no idea what we're going to ask you. Um, half the time, she doesn't know what's really going to come out of our mouths at a convention. So this is no different than that. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Now, some of this is going to be um, stuff related to education. Some of it could be because, well, we know you. We've hung out with you. Uh, or about your home state. There you go. All right. I'm going to start right off with this. What's your favorite bourbon? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'll tell you. Is, can I give a long answer? Sure. I, I, I hate favorite questions. Uh, these always stump me online. What's your favorite book? What's your favorite this? Sure. Uh, if, if right on the other side of me right here is a wall of about 100 different bourbon bottles that are all empty. I don't collect full bourbon bottles. I, I usually buy one I've never had. Uh, but my go-to probably that I have more often is probably uh, the Buffalo Trace Blantons. I I'm a big fan of Blantons, and uh, that Blantons is a, a harder to find bourbon, but it's uh, definitely a very unique uh, flavored bourbon, very easy to drink, and uh, converted a lot of people to uh, to some good Blantons. So uh, Buffalo Trace Blantons, if I had to give an answer. Well, you've converted one uh, particular friend of ours. Exactly. <laughs> Well, now I gotta get rid of all my questions because these are all. What's your favorite? So now <laughs> yeah, I'm done, man. <laughs> all right. So, if you could eliminate one thing from your daily schedule, what would it be and why? Oh gosh. Um, I you know I, I wear a lot of different hats, but like they all kind of mingle together. Um, I, you know, the one thing that I, I, you know, it's maybe it's a scape out answer, but being at home all the time, I, I'm used to traveling and being on the go. So if I can eliminate being home all the time, but with COVID, obviously um, that's changed, but I always felt like that was a good, you know, travel can get old, but you know, the, the good thing is being here and having executive director and ETR and shape America um, you know, you, you, you are able to balance all those things out because you're not on the go as much. 
but I certainly miss travel. So I appreciate the balance that COVID's given, but I also miss some things about it too. Yeah. Okay. Now I may um, mess the name up here, but what is Burgoo? <laughs> That's good. That's good research. That's good research. Uh, it's a type of, it's traditional was a game stew. Um, so on the early frontier, it was a lot, a lot of game meat was in Burgoo. So it was a, a soup that they would make uh, in the frontier life. And so it's very Kentucky. Uh, you know, we were part of the first uh, westward expansion early on. So Burgoo is a, is a big Kentucky uh, tradition and they have it at the horse tracks. But it tr traditionally was a game stew that uh, was was from long, long ago. I I have no words. I'm a, <laughs> I have zero words. How in the world did you even find or think of that? What what what? I have Kate Kramer to you. How did you even come up with that question? Listen, last week you called me Andrew and I like um, what was the word Andrew? Uh, stalkers. real good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, when you know that you have a guest coming on research state, okay, why not highlight the state a little bit? But at the same point, you well know, you're I'm impressed to see what they know, who they know, and and it, you know, it, it cyber stalking. So, so Kim, it's clear that you're going to have to start putting a little more time in on these shows and preparing because your two your two co-hosts here are are really setting the bar high. That's I right. let them go get the dirty work, you know. <laughs> All right, so I know this is going to be a tough one for you, Jamie, but better overall basketball program, Duke, Kentucky, or UNC? <laughs> I'll let you have a moment to think about it. Yeah, is that, does this – not uh, counting this year, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, – normally this time of year we're talking a lot of smack, but uh, we're, we're, we've got our head between our tails this year. But I said, uh, I said overall, overall. Oh, yeah, I think – you know, I'm a data guy, so I, I, it's not even a conversation. You know, all-time win this program speaks for itself. Most national championships outside of UCLA. Uh, the most draft picks playing in the NBA right now. So uh, no matter how you splice the data, it comes back to the Wildcats. Oh, wow. And we're usually in Shape America on the national convention because there are so many times that the games have been on yeah. that you have run out to make sure that you're watching Kentucky play. Now, I'm a Wildcats fan too, but it's uh, Villanova. Wildcats. <laughs> Villanova's had some good runs lately. Oh, that was a great year at that Shape America in Minnesota when sure. they won at the Bell. Remember that, Villanova? Yeah. That yeah they won great. two recently, right? They won two. Yeah, they won two. Yeah. Well, Jamie, I'm like you. I mean, my state where I come from, we don't have any pro teams like y'all. You know, you don't have any pro teams either, so we have to hang our hats on like UConn. <laughs> and then outside of UConn, we have Yale, and we know that they can't go any further than the Ivy League championship. So, well, uh, well, they can. for the record, we do have a pro team now. We have the uh, new women's pro expansion team. So we're getting women's pro soccer as our first professional team. Uh, so I'll give a little plug for our summer conference because we're hosting uh, – a summer conference in July, the second or third week. We're still working on dates, and we're actually going to use the new Louisville Soccer Stadium um, to do that. So we're really excited about that. But uh, so we're at least we're at least on the radar some way right now. There you That's go. awesome. That is good. We're still trying to bring the Whalers back. <laughs> um, so now this could be, you know, just think of this one easy. Uh, most famous person you've met. Ooh. Other than the three of us. Oh, gosh. Uh, it would easily have to be, I'm looking at the picture now, uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, I got uh, an opportunity to do some work for the Clinton Foundation a number of years ago. Obviously, they were very heavily involved early on with um, Alliance for Healthier Generation when it first started. And then uh, I got to do some work with, with, with Jessica Lawrence out in uh, California uh, for the Clinton Health Matters event, and President Clinton came around to the tent. So Lisa Perry and I, we led. Uh, Lisa still works for the Alliance, and her and I were leading the fitness activities in the in the in the tent. And he came around and introduced uh, everybody. And in fact, yeah, I, I'll make it even a cooler story. I, I was a volunteer, right? Showed up, did the thing, but like they, so the staff had everything planned, and so they were like, "Oh, you've done such a great job. We appreciate your help." And I was like, "Oh, it was an honor to do it." And so they were like, well, we didn't actually order you anything as a thank you. Well, we ordered stuff for all the other people that were like paid people there. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't expect anything. No big deal. I was like, well, if there's anything left over, we'll see what we have once the kind of event clears out the last day. So they bring me the jacket 
that was actually intended for President Clinton. Uh, he left uh, the night early. And so the jacket that was ordered for him was the jacket that I got. Uh, unfortunately, there's a sad part of this story. I was traveling two or three years later and I left it in the airport and I've never seen it again. But that will always made for a really cool story. But yeah. You are person. You get so much swag. You get everywhere you go, you get swag, Jamie. Well, I mean, I don't have a Kim shirt yet, so I'm still no, waiting on that. But that's not famous. That is <laughs> that. We're, we're gonna change that though, I think. Oh my goodness. I'm sure the boys will, will hook you up for sure. And we sure will. Uh, Jamie, what book are you currently reading? Oh, <laughs> um, the better question would be, what was the last book you read? Um, and I wouldn't know the answer to that one. Either. <laughs> I've done a lot of things during COVID. Picking up reading has not been, a, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I was trying to think. I, I think the last book I read right before COVID was The 50 Greatest Myths of Public Education. And it was a book that Tom Lowry from Missouri sent me a very eye-opening research book uh, for public educators. Um, that's probably still on my shelf. Um, but, uh, but that's a great book as far as, because in the public health, we, we, see, we see this conversation so much with school choice and, and charter schools and private schools, but the American public education system is an amazing system. We educate all kids everywhere. Um, and so it really lays out uh, how strong that foundation is and how much the American public education system is a part of our democracy um, and the role it plays. So that was that was a great book. Hmm. Awesome. So I, I've got two more for you. And I'm going to give you an easy one first before I hit you with the, with the tough one. And it, let's just I know you said you hate um, favorites, but what is the coolest setting that you've been in for a PE conference? Oh, the coolest for a PE conference uh, has to be Maui. I, I mean, uh, I, I, when I was involved with the Let's Move Active Schools, of course, we did the largest PAL training, physical activity leader training in Charlotte. Uh, but I got to go to uh, Carrie Chef, and I got to go to uh, – there was a number of trainers, but Carrie and I definitely um, got to go to the most places. So Hawaii, I was very fortunate to do my first ever keynote in Hawaii. So that was my first state keynote. And um, I went there and also did a PAL training on Maui. And so – um, that was definitely a really cool and Hawaiian. Oh my gosh. Like Hawaii, Aford, like people, we're, we're all in the South and people talk about Southern hospitality. Southern people are not nice compared to Hawaiian man. And they're just the most genuine people in the world and just so hospitable. Um, and it was a pretty cool place to be. Very cool. All right. So is this my last question? Kramer, you have no more. You're done. I have one more, and uh, we'll end it with mine because I've got a good one. All right. <laughs> it makes me nervous now. That's what he's trying to lead up to. <laughs> this one is going to make you think for a moment. So uh, what's a holiday that doesn't exist, okay, a holiday that does not exist that you would like to create? Oh, wow. Hmm. This is like a writing prompt, like back in, in school. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll help you. Because you, you have this all over your social media. I think it's part of your profile page. Kindness week. Yeah, I was thinking Health Moves Minds Day, right? Like, yeah, if I, yeah since uh, we could do it. We have some different ones we tie on to. We have Random Acts of Kindness Week. We have World Kindness Day that we kind of connected to. But, uh, but yeah, Health Moves Minds definitely deserves its own holiday. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Okay, so now... This is it. This is going to be the, the 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 top question here. It is a favorite question. Now, there's two things that are important to me: pizza, good pizza, and conversation. And this, who's your favorite Princess Bride character? <laughs> um, I have. I this is where I would phone a friend because I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> I mean, if you just said Andre the Giant because he played Vicini in it. I mean, how many movies have Andre the Giant in it? <laughs> uh, the Andrew, Andrew the Giant, well, I would definitely go with that. <laughs> well, Jamie, 
um, Keith and Andrew, you just name any movie and they're going to just spit off like lines from the movie. I don't know how their brain capacity holds on to movie lyrics, but the, they, they do. So yeah. if you ever need to phone a friend for any kind of movie trivia, I, it's Keith and Andrew. So you see how my daily, you know, work conversations, you know, go. Yeah. It's either yeah. some line from the office, some movie line, but, um, and I just look at them like, how, how do you even know this? How do you even know this stuff? But yeah, Jimmy, I'm pretty movie illiterate and music illiterate. I can't remember song titles, names. Like I, once I, once I see it and hear it or the movie the same way, but, uh, Jess was very disappointed in me recently and I had to watch Napoleon Dynamite because I, you know, there's all these pop culture references <laughs> and I never saw that movie. So um, that was, that tells you where my movie literacy is. So, well, like the movie? so I guess we can't play name that tune with you. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think New Jersey shape, New Jersey Afer did a, uh, that when they're virtual social, they did a, a game where it was like name that tune and I, I, I won no prizes. <laughs> Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that um, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but we really appreciate you um, being genuine with your conversations with us, answering the questions very, you know, um, clear. And you give me a lot of things to think about, as always, with our conversations that we have. But I really thank you for all your work that you're doing to advance health and PE for quality health and PE and movement-based school cultures and your work with Health Moves Minds and the work that you're doing with ETR. I mean, you're just one of those seriously rock stars in our profession that um, I can't thank you enough for what you do for all school districts and for kids. You're welcome. Thank you all for what you're doing and appreciate uh, all that you've done and continue to do. And, uh, you know, one thing we didn't mention in this whole show is, is we're through our my work with ETR and you all we're bringing B3 to the world very soon. So uh, bigger things to come from uh, everybody on this screen and our different roles and, and seeing that come to fruition too. So fun stuff. Thank you all. Keep up the good work. Yeah, no problem. Well, you know, one of those things where you've always been told early, surround yourself with good people. And it's so funny how huge our profession is, but really collectively when we go to these conferences, just how much that you surround yourself with like-minded people, that's really what it takes is for those collective efforts to push for quality health and PE, like you mentioned at Speak Out Day and so forth. So um, thank you. It's a, it's a big world, but a small world with when it comes to all these people doing what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you all. Take care. All right. Bye. Wow. So I know I say wow a lot because I replay some of these pizza and PE podcasts, but um one of the, my big takeaways, you guys, is you know one of my pet peeves when it comes to a leadership quote is when leaders say, it is what it is. I hate that quote. And I can, when I listen to Jamie, I don't think I've ever, ever heard him say it is what it is because he's more about this is what it could be. So use your voice, you know, within your school, within your state to try to push quality health and PE, not only in practice, but into funding as well. And it makes me think about some of the things that are going on in our own district and how many teachers have used their voice even on our school board meetings to be able to tell their story. So it's about telling your story and what is happening in your school to try to be sure that a Daniel Hill that he mentioned who only gets $300 per school year for equipment. Some of our teachers get nothing. So instead of just saying, well, it is what it is and you're waving the white flag, it's about, well, let's tell a different narrative. Let's make it not it is what it is. And that's my thoughts. And that's where I, uh, my task to anybody who's listening to this, reach out to your state board association or your state um, PE health and PE organization, get involved with Speak Out Day. Get involved, find out how funding is allocated. Speak at your school board meetings. So to speak up more, that's that's my message. I guess, I mean, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love the fact that he calls people at um, where they are. I mean, you don't like what I said and you're gonna sit here and be a keyboard warrior, well, here's my number, call me. Oh, you don't wanna call me because what? Because it's not in, in public where, where everybody can see you try to, you know, rile me up. I love it. Here, here's my number. Call me. Here's my email. Call me. 
when people don't do that, you know that you just you just call them out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I like that idea. So for me, one thing that really stood out uh, from from our conversation was the fact that when he was talking about, you know, if your program's not very good, you know, if you don't have your stuff taken care of, then, you know, anyone can do the job of rolling out the ball, right? Or, you know, doing inappropriate activities because they feel like, you know, oh, this is this is good for my kids when, in fact, it's really not. But when we have that type of PE, why would anybody need more of that, right? So right. he's saying, so why would administrators, why would districts support that to say, oh, yeah, here's more funding to help your program that's not good or right. that, you know, th- that has all these, these problems. So, having a quality program, getting the training, which I know some of our teachers struggle getting training because they don't get those opportunities, but with social media and all the stuff that's out there now, there still are ways to get good quality PE or good quality professional development. So it doesn't necessarily have to come from you going to. Yeah, and I I would say to him, uh, because I think Andrew froze up, to get that quality PD, start with, it doesn't have to be on social media. Start with your state association, go to Shape America, start by clicking on and educating and learning your, yourself a better about what is ESSA, learning about more um, about the Speak Out Day. So that would be a task I would say for those who are listening to this, go and start exploring and reach out to your state organization as well. So even then, I mean, Kim, the, the fact that I think a lot of our listeners also need to know that with Health Moves Minds, you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to bring in more funding for your program that will, when you meet up with a, a principal who's not ready to spend school money for you to go somewhere, you can, I've raised this much money, I'll pay for myself to go as long as you give me the days off. That's right. And for schools that do not have Title I funding, sometimes they don't have any funding at all from principals. And then our work with Lorinda a principal here in, in our large urban school district, she is a Title I school. And we worked with her on writing up Title I proposals for PE equipment and for programs. So that's another way too, that if you are at a Title I school, learning about how to get that funding for uh, using movement and physical education to help achieve some of your school objectives and goals. So, all right, you guys, enough. But anyways, my uh, I'm all out. Keith has taken his last uh, bite of pizza, but um, really appreciate uh, eating lunch with you guys today and discussing PE. Slice you later.